Uh, what's up, Peoria? What's up? I'm Mark Supreme. And I'm Chris Kiergaard. Welcome to State of Peoria, brought to you by State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue, where he specializes in car insurance, home insurance, and life insurance, along with a little investments as well, too. He's the best in the business, and you can make him work for you today by calling 309-685-7111. This is our fifth installment of the collaboration of Strictly Hip Hop and PJ Star interview series that's all about the P. And we have with us today the first of five mayoral candidates that we are going to be talking to and grilling a little bit. Uh, we're joined first by Dr. Rita Ali, running for Peoria mayor, and later in the evening, uh, after about 45 minutes, we'll be joined by Sid Ruckriegel, each of them talking to us tonight about their candidacy. So, Dr. Ali, thank you for being with us tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Rita. So we'll, we'll jump off into it first, though. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. It was a fun day yesterday. It was. I, I saw all the pictures uh, of you and Brandy, uh, twin sister, daughter, one of the two. Uh, <laughs> could be the same. Um, but yeah, uh, happy birthday. And I hope it was Thank a good you. one. Thank you. It was. I was blessed. So uh, we'll get into it, especially for the people that might not be engaged or haven't been uh, able to see any other of the other forms. Who is Rita Ali? Yeah, Rita Ali is a person that uh, was born in Missouri, moved to a small town called Hannibal, Missouri, uh, as a very young kid, but moved to Peoria as a six-year-old. She went to most of the schools here, grew up on the south side, and ultimately she um, had a child at a young age right after high school. So she had a challenge financially for a period of time, but she moved on to gain some additional education that allowed her to secure employment, um, gainful employment. It took her eight years to finish a bachelor's degree, eight years. But then after that, she finished two masters and a doctorate degree. And every time she uh, increased her education, she increased her job uh, promotion opportunities. And so, you know, she's a person that has worked in the community for many, many years and also uh, currently now serves as ICC's Vice President of Diversity, Workforce and Diversity. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now, as, as far as uh, politics, you just, uh, you just got into politics not too long ago, but was running for mayor always the plan or did the opportunity really reveal itself once uh, Mayor Jim Artis announced that he was not going to seek a fifth term? So actually, I've been in politics for some period of time. A number of years ago, I served as a trustee for the Peoria Park Board. Uh, in the meantime, I've been active in the community and I would say an influencer in terms of local politics. I've served on numerous city commissions, uh, Police Community Relations Commission, which I chaired for six years. I served on Economic Development, Human Services Commissions, numerous commissions over the years, but then was elected as an at-large council member uh, a couple of years ago. So it's been about 20, 21 months since I've been on the council. And, you know, during that time, I, uh, over time, I've learned uh, quite a bit about how city government runs in terms of the inner workings of city government. And I decided um, even before Mayor, Mayor Artis uh, pulled out of the, the race, I decided that I was going to, to run for mayor. Okay, let me uh, let me bounce off of that a, a little bit and and talk about some items from that last campaign that I, I want to 
follow through on. Uh, the, the first of which you mentioned your service on the, the advisory committee on, on police community relations. And during your at-large campaign, you talked about some reforms or changes that, that you might like to see there, including even opening up the discussion on, on whether it should move from an advisory committee to a, a committee that, that had a little more standing and, and a little more weight to seek uh, implementation of, of its ideas. Uh, what's been the progress on that over the last two years? Sure, it's something, and you're speaking of a citizen review board, and this is a model that some cities have. A citizen review board does have to have some level of funding uh, because it's it's a citizen review board that, that actually has hearings on complaints that are made about the police. And so the citizens actually hear these complaints and they, you know, make a decision on whether the complaint is substantiated or unsubstantiated. That's been a model that uh, Peoria has explored, looked at other cities, including I think Springfield that has that model. Uh, Rockford actually had explored that, but it, it didn't work out. But there's been some cities that have been very successful having a citizen review board. So I stepped down uh, from the chair of that commission a year ago, or actually shortly after I came on to council. And then last year, Andre Allen stepped up to be the, the chair of that. And they continue to explore that other model and have had some actually police officers involved in the dialogue and exploration and discussion. So I'm not sure that we will end up there, but it's certainly worth exploration. Okay. There were things, uh, Chris, sorry, there were things, you know, that we accomplished in terms of advocating for body cams, you know, to make both police and citizens more responsible, advocating to support the resident officer program, uh, policies, you know, procedures against chokeholds and, and things like that. So more communication and, and working relationship with the police, not against the police, but in, in uh, you know, in harmony in terms of trying to work together and build those bridges. That's the whole purpose of the commission. Okay. All right. Excellent. I, and I want to talk also about a, another thing that came up during that interview, which I, I think we may actually be doing almost two years to the day since, since we did the last one, because it was also right after your birthday. Uh, and, and during that, you had, uh, had talked about one, one of your notions uh, on, on trying to repair some of the systemic disinvestment over the years in, in the South Side, was yeah. trying to harness and those relationships that, that you and others have with, I, I think at the time you called them Southside alumni, who, who yeah. have gone on to do things either in, in this community elsewhere or have gone on to other communities around the country, but during that time have, have you know, grown professionally and, and are in a position now to, to give back. And I, I want you to sort of bring us up to date on on what's developed out of that and if there are any, any concrete examples that have come out of it by way of, of investment or, or somebody returning to help out their old stomping grounds? Sure, that's a great question. You know, I'm a Southside alumni because I grew up on the South Side and now I live on the uh, North Side, the furthest, you know, to the North of Peoria. Uh, but I still continue to to work there. I have a number of family members, including my mother, that lives on the uh, South Side of Peoria. And so, you know, I, I work with Neighborhood Academy there. I, I teach uh, classes on empowering uh, the community, empowering residents and, and citizens. And so with regard to the Southside alumni, 
I, I remain uh, committed to that effort. I know that there's over 900 vacant lots. There's uh, properties that are owned by the city that are not being used uh, purposely. And so I, I believe that some of those properties could be made available to people that want to invest in Peoria Southside who have a business plan and a project. They're, they're willing to put some financial backing behind a plan that perhaps the city could accept and give away or, or provide those properties at a very reduced rate so we can have some investment. And I, I believe that the, the people that grew up on the South Side, which was a very integrated community when I grew up years ago, are willing to invest. And some of those people live all over the nation, you know, but they still care about that community. When they come here, they want to ride through that area where they grew up and they have fond mem memories. And I want to tap into that. And so one thing that I talked about two years ago when you interviewed me, Chris, was creating a commission on racial justice and equity. And I'm proud to say that on October 9th, October 29th of last year, that the city and the county created this joint city county commission on racial justice and equity with eight different committees that will focus on closing the gap, looking at disparities uh, based upon race and really begin to deal with these in a meaningful and impactful way. Okay. I, I wanna follow up on that real quick before I, I hand it back to Mark because that, that was actually one of the things that I, I also wanted to ask you about is, you know, we've we've had that that commission that that we formed. It was seeking volunteer members, and I know you established some some criteria for that to ensure that membership on the commission is diverse, representative of the city, representative of all ages of people too. It has a specific yes. requirement for for people who are are in the the youngest adult age group yes. among yes. among other things in there. So yes. I, I, I wanna ask because I, I correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know that there's been a meeting of that group since no. the, the initial so has it been a, a delay in, in getting members there? Oh, or, no. Yes. Okay. So let me give you an update. And actually as we speak, uh, we're actually preparing a letter to go out to all the applicants. Uh, for the commission to give them an update. So we have a group that's uh, screening the applications and that will be making recommendations. Now, COVID has impacted some of the delay because we know we haven't been able to meet in person. We can only meet by Zoom. So there's been some delay even initially with the, the group coming together uh, to screen applications. But we've had over 200 applicants to serve on this commission, which will have a steering committee and eight different committees. It will be co-chaired by individuals of a different uh, race or ethnicity. And so we'll have diverse leadership as and, and equal leadership in terms of that, uh, lead, you know, the co-chairs and, and training will be provided. And so we also have inclusive uh, composition of the committees. And so we have to look at that balance when we go through these applications. So one thing, the other thing that kind of delayed it is that we want to start with training, training for the facilitators that are going to facilitate the, uh, the sessions. There was some delay in getting funding um, that had been provided uh, from the state. So there's been some delay in getting our hands on that funding. So we want to provide proper orientation proper training to be able to co-facilitate these 
very sensitive discussions on issues of, of race and and you know within our and disparity inequities within our our community. So so we have you know a, a great group of very diverse applicants, and soon we're going to be recommend recommending the first steering committee as well as the the co-chairs and those um, initial inaugural group that serve on the different subcommittees. So I'm very excited about that. We're moving forward. It's just not as quickly as, as we had hoped. Okay. And and I, I want to want to pin you down a little bit on that because I survived the Metro Peoria effort, which which lasted three or four years and and provided very little in the way of, of takeaways from it. So what what should we reasonably be expecting as far as the, the time between getting people serving on the commission, on, on the steering groups, and when we have actual action steps that we can take out of this. Because I, I think, you know, everybody is in favor of the notion, but they really want to be able to see a result that they can pin to some of this. Exactly right. And I'm all about results. And that's why we built into the, the fabric of that commission, uh, annual reports, periodic communication to the to the public, uh, we, we are going to establish um, goals and objectives, and, and we don't want to, you know, we, are, we have established kind of the larger mission uh, to help reduce uh, systemic racism and things like that, but the commission itself will establish specific goals and objectives and timetables for meeting those, and each of the subcommittees will do the same. You know, there's one on justice, there's one on child and youth development, there's mobility and transportation, there's quality housing, there's uh, there's uh, jobs and um, economic opportunity. There's all these areas where there's are disparities and we are only as strong as our weakest link. So it's important that we don't have to be reactive every time something happens uh, that we can be proactive in addressing issues of inequity. We're going to take those conversations that the community had a number of years ago when the 24-7 Wall Street came out. We've actually collected that information. We've retrieved that information, and it's going to be a starting point for many of the discussions on the committee. We also will work with data, data and data will drive, you know, our our activities. What are those disparities? What, what are the root causes of some of these issues? We want to address these issues in a, in a very uh, focused and organized manner. Thank you all for tuning in State of Peoria. Uh, again, like we do every time, if you have any questions, throw them in the comments uh, for uh, Dr. Rita Ali. We will get to those momentarily. Uh, one of the things that comes up when it comes to people running for mayor um, with different um, campaigns is time on office. Jim Artis mentioned it when we interviewed him a while ago. He mentioned his six years in office uh, ahead of running for mayor and that time on council would be necessary for the next mayor. Uh, you lost your first bid for council uh, and came back with a landslide victory in your uh, in your win for a citywide at-large uh, council position. Now you're in your bid for mayor. Uh, you're essentially turning back to those same voters and asking for a promotion, and you're still halfway through your first term. Why do you think voters should grant you that promotion without finishing your first term on council? Sure, because now is the time. Uh, you know, experience matters, and we need somebody who can connect with all parts of this community. I have lived in every district. I've, I've been here most of my life. I told you I came here when I was six years old. I've been active in the community. I served on the first police community relations commission when I was 14 years old. 
I, I have, you know, kind of worked my way up through the ranks of community service and political, you know, political service, I would say as well. And I think that we need somebody who can connect with all parts of the city. We need experience during this time of crisis. We are in a crisis, uh, gentlemen. We have civil, civ civil unrest. We have a recession. Uh, we have severe budget problems. Uh, we have a pandemic that we're trying to work through. If you're on a plane and you're flying through a thunderstorm, who do you want to be driving that plane? Do you want somebody with who is not experienced? You want an experienced pilot driving that plane. I have played in a executive leadership role in the organization that I, I worked for for the past 16 years. I served in the private sector in a leadership role and managing a high tech organization. I've served in the leadership role of other public uh, government organizations. You want somebody who can handle crisis. I, I've been trained in crisis management. I've managed crisis. Uh, you want somebody who has the ability to lead Peoria in, in, a, in a way that moves us forward and has had success in leading large-scale organizations. What do you say to the people that suggest that we haven't seen success from a council perspective and they're like, you know, not necessarily wait your turn, but those that suggest that at least we'd like to see a term or two before it's it's time to jump up to mayor. What, what do you say to those that say it's too soon? I, I would say that I've served two years. Um, by the time that that election takes place, I will have served two years um, as in city council. I have served at least two years as a Peoria Park Board trustee. I have served in leadership roles. Uh, you know, so so I have what it takes to move up to that next stage. And I, I do think that it's important to have, you know, a variety of experience, not just council, but it does help to have the council experience as well. Do you think that someone needs uh, government experience in order to run for the top job, uh, whether it be mayor or uh, governor or whatever? Because, you know, you got different people that suggest even for president because of the last four years, that uh, some people should have more experience and more education. Uh, is that re is that ne necessary for somebody to run for a top job in any capacity, or is it about just everything else? Yeah, honestly, Mark, I, I do believe it helps to have government government experience. Now, uh, government having government works differently from the private sector, oftentimes, and I've I've worked for both. You know, I, you know, I think that there's a lot more restrictions in the government sector. I know that there are. I know that there's a lot more public scrutiny in the uh, government and public sector. I'm accustomed to that because I've been in that sector for a long time. You know, before I came to ICC, I worked for Advanced Information Services, AIS, a high tech uh, company, uh, information technology firm. And, you know, we had a lot more flexibility to make decisions uh, without public scrutiny. Uh, so, you know, it helps to have both perspectives because, you know, having that small business or medium sized business perspective helps you to understand what businesses are going through. You know, especially at a time like this with with the pandemic, that they are counting on those payrolls to make payroll. And I remember us when when our customer changes business model, our number one customer, our top customer changes business model. And we had to pivot, you know, because we wanted to continue to make 
payroll for those 180 employees that we had. And, and we, ha we had to pivot and take on a different uh, customer. And that was part of my responsibility. I went to Washington, D.C. for two years and set up that business there, set up shop and took on the federal government as our customer. And the FBI was my first customer and I operated under a top secret security clearance. But over a period of time, the, the federal government became our top customer. We had a lot more uh, uh, balance in terms of our ability to uh, be successful financially. People of Pure have grown increasingly frustrated, not over the last two years, but really over the last five, six years. Many of them have left and gone to other places. A lot of them go to Texas. Uh, and the ones that remain in the city, they want results. What results can you bring as mayor that uh, you can't bring as a city council person? Well, you know, the, I've learned that the mayor has a lot of uh, authority in, in that role, more so uh, than a city council person. The mayor actually is the leader of the city council. The mayor has a lot of influence over the direction that the city moves. And, you know, people are looking for opportunity. And, you know, we've got a lot of problems right now, but I believe that every problem is an opportunity. So I want to turn our problems into opportunities. I want to develop a strong workforce that will attract more people to our city, which means developing a workforce that employers are interested in. Uh, just like Des Moines, Iowa, when they had a workforce that Facebook was interested in and Facebook set up shop there. And after that, more IT companies set up shop there. We have to uh, do things differently in order to get different results. Columbus, Ohio is the fastest growing city in the Midwest and one of the fastest grow growing cities in the United States. They're a cold climate just like we are, but people are coming from all over to live in Columbus, Ohio. You know, their CEOs, they have a group of CEOs who got together and said, we're going to create 150 jobs over the next uh, 10 years, in-demand jobs, jobs of the future. You know, those are things that Peoria can do. I think as a mayor, I think the mayor has to be front street in terms of being part of economic development and bringing new opportunities to the city. The city kind of left uh, its responsibility for economic development when uh, its um, uh, leader in that area took another position and the city didn't fill that position. The city used to have an entire department dedicated to economic development. That that department does not exist anymore. You mentioned the influence that you would have as mayor and to lead the council in a, in a certain direction, hopefully the right direction for what the city needs as a whole. Is there any direction that you witnessed, whether it be on council or leading up to your time to get into council that you just didn't agree with and felt like the council as a whole was just heading in the wrong direction? Can you name a time? Well, yeah, I, I will give you one example. Um, and that example was a split vote. It was not, it was, you know, maybe November, I think, when the vote took place. And that was to put the public safety uh, pension on the ballot as a referendum question. And basically asked whether you want to spend, you know, more tax money to pay for public safety pensions. Uh, basically, it put our police and fire who protect our community on a daily basis, who risk their lives. You pull that group of employees out of other, other employees at the city and you put them on the ballot 
for judgment against them. And now we have these uh, pension bills that have went out late, uh, went out and, excuse me, pension bills that went out accusing people of being late on paying their pension bills. So it's built up some, you know, sentiment uh, that is not very positive. And I, I just think that we need to, um, we need to treat our employees better and we need to show some uh, respect and, and support for basic uh, basic core services that are offered. What would you say is your biggest accomplishment on council or one thing that you've been kind of spearheading since you got in that you're that that you proud of and you 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 kind of want to, um, you know, have that be your landmark thing in the event that you do move on to mayorship? Yeah, I would say there's there's two things that I can think of or maybe three. Uh, that are stand above some of the others. Uh, one of them is is vote in support of core basic services, and another is the com- the new commission, the new joint commission on racial justice and equity, because I think it it's a structure uh, that we haven't had that allows us to deal with some serious issues that we really haven't dealt with effectively in the past. And, and I would say another one is after eleven years of not having an updated affirmative action plan. Uh, I pushed for that to happen. And finally this fall, it, it happened uh, very late, but we're in compliance now. Uh, and before I shoot it back over to Chris, again, uh, thank you guys for watching Instead of Fiori. If you have any questions for uh, Dr. Rita Ali, please throw those in the comments and we'll get them uh, momentarily. Yeah, all right. Thank you. And yes, we'll we'll be shifting over to audience questions in just a little bit. Uh, I've got a few more for you here from me first. Uh, and I, I want to start with, with this. Uh, in, in your recent questionnaire to us, uh, you indicated both that you've got some real concerns about higher property taxes as well as, as more fees of any kind, like the public safety pension fee that, that's been instituted. So with, with that in mind, how do you pay for the city's pension costs, costs that are rising faster than any natural growth that we have can make up for? Right. So, you know, that's the $100 million question, Chris, in terms of how we pay for the, the public pensions that continue to arise. And we have to, you know, work with our state legislators. It's, it's, the answer is not going to come, you know, tomorrow from around the council. But I do believe by working jointly uh, with state reps and, you know, at the state level that we will come up with a solution. One thing that I want to do is to bring the financial experts, those people who are brilliant at dealing with uh, financial matters. I want to bring them to the table. That may mean some bank presidents or financial um, experts, uh, I want to I want to bring in the brain trust of Peoria to help Peoria move forward. I think that we've been far too siloed. I think that we've excluded citizens who want to be a part of moving people, moving Peoria forward and giving their time. And I'm talking about people who are willing to give their time without cost to help to brainstorm on some of these ideals for how we can uh, address some of the serious financial and budget issues that we currently have. We have to generate revenues. So that's that's one thing that we have to focus our time and energy on is how we can generate revenue rather than continue to cut, cut, cut. When I worked for the city a long time ago, there were over a thousand employees, full-time employees. 
Now there's 615. So we've continued to cut, cut, cut. And, you know, that means cutting basic services. It means at some point not giving citizens their money's worth for the taxes that they pay. And, you know, we, we are cheating our, our people by continuing to cut, cut, cut. So we have to, we have to shift. We have to pivot. And we have to uh, begin to focus on revenue generation versus cuts. And, and that's actually a very good segue because I, I wanted to ask you, uh, a lot of your, your focus has, has been on, on your success, particularly, as you point out, in, in your role at ICC in attracting grant funding to help grow programs and to help sustain programs. And you sound as though you want to do the same thing with the city of Peoria. But I'd, I'd like to know two things. First, what if it doesn't work? These are all competitive grants. So if, if we don't land the grants, how do we get some of these programs off the ground? And second, how do we make plans over multiple years if grant funding by nature is temporary and also competitive for renewal? Sure. Great question. So, you know, over not just at ICC, but including the other organizations that I work for, and including AIS, and we were private sector, but we got government funding to support some training for information technology um, software engineers, uh, a training program that focused on women and minorities who were underrepresented. So over that time period, I've secured over $50 million in external funds and, and including much of that at Illinois Central College for workforce and education programs. So you know, you build the capacity. You build the capacity to apply for competitive, large-scale grants. And eventually, you know, if you, you have that expertise, it's not like you're going to continue to not get awarded those grants. You have to constantly focus on where the money is and then go after that funding. And eventually, you're going to get funding. And if you do well, if you perform well, that funding is going to continue. Many grants, you know, maybe four or five year grants, and then, you know, you apply for a continuation. If you do well, of course, you have to perform well to, to continue to get money. Uh, but there is money out there. There's opportunity out there that we have to build the capacity to apply for. Let me tell you, Peoria has those uh, qualities or those, uh, I should call it criteria, that should attract additional uh, funding because we have those inequities that we talked about. Uh, there's funding out there, and I believe through the new administration, there's going to be expanded funding out there for addressing issues of inequities. And, and I say Peoria has to get ready. Uh, we have to position ourselves to go after that in a way that, that we will be successful. And, you know, there's, there's I, I believe there's going to be funding for, for additional police and public service, um, uh, fun uh, activities. So I, opportunities will be there. And not just federal funding, but private sector funding. Okay. And and to follow up on, on that just a, a little bit here, uh, you know, it, it strikes me with, with your experience and, and, you know, having hollowed out the city, you might even be looking to yourself to, to do some of that work until we build up a, a grants working or a, a grant application team in the city a little bit more. 
your campaign is running, I, I see on your, your billboards and other things, full-time mayor in there. And I, I really want you to clarify that because I, I want to know how that runs up against the job of the city manager in our style of government in Peoria, who, who is de facto the one who is responsible for day-to-day -day operation of city hall. So how, do, how does the city manager do that particular person's work along with somebody who is working as, as a full-time mayor? Sure, that's, that's a great question. Um, so my plan, if elected mayor, is to retire early from this wonderful vice president job that I had had for 16 years at Illinois Central College and to work as a full-time mayor for what's considered a part-time job. I would do that without any added expense to the taxpayers in order to help to lift Peoria, you know, without the distraction of another full-time job. Peoria has such serious issues right now that we don't need to have somebody working as the mayor and being distracted by another another full-time position. So it doesn't mean that the, I would work as the city manager. I would not work as the city manager. I would work in conjunction. I would, I would perform the mayor's role on a full-time job, you know, with respect to the role that the city manager plays. The city council has one employee and that is the city manager. And so I, I respect that role. And, you know, it's, it, it would be about working together. Um, to move Peoria forward, but actually giving more time and dedication to that role uh, of, of mayor of Peoria. Okay. One last one. I'm going to toss it over to, to Mark and, and he can wrap up and, and take us into the audience questions. Uh, I also wanted to know uh, in, in the vein of getting back into economic development and trying to revitalize what we do in terms of economic development. It's, it's been, <laughs> it's been 13 years, I think this year since the first vote on, on the Pierre Marquette and people have been salty ever since that vote about how that went down in particular with the economic development incentives. When you do economic development and you know, this, uh, a big part of, of what many larger corporations are looking for is economic development incentives. People are leery of those based off of experiences with the Pierre Marquette, with Firefly, with other things that have blown up in our faces. So how do you approach that when somebody comes looking to you at the city for those incentives? Where, where's, where's the no line on that? Right. So we have to have some level of incentives to attract businesses. And, and we do have an incentive strategy. There's various, you know, types of incentives that are out there. You know, of course, you know, everybody's critical of the Pierre Marquette because it was such a high risk investment uh, that invested a lot of, you know, significant amount of the city's funding. And, you know, there, you know, a lot of people feel that it was questionable in terms of uh, who we were actually awarding the, the investing with you know, those individuals that we were investing with. So I think that we have to be a lot more careful when it comes to large, large multi-million dollar investments. Not that we shouldn't have incentives because we're going to have to have some level of incentives. But I think that there's opportunity zones and other, you know, other types of incentives that, you know, individuals or businesses can write off their of their taxes for a period of perhaps 10 years or so you know, for uh, more larger scale type of business opportunities. But yes, we are going to have to 
uh, have some incentives, uh, different types of incentives, uh, but we have to be careful that we're not taking the big risk with the, the public uh, the public trust. Uh, again, I keep saying this, everybody, we're about to get to the audience questions. I see them. We're going to get to them. Thank you so much. Keep adding them. Keep adding them. Uh, I hate to go back uh, basic real quick with this question, but it's been a growing conversation that I've had with other people and I've seen other people have them as well. The dynamic of really who's in charge on the council between the council, the mayor, uh, the city manager, because the declining negative narrative that Pierre has had for the last couple of years, people don't really know who to point to. So in your estimation, who's in charge when it comes to the city? Like we, we understand the descriptions, but who's tasked with the vision uh, and execute, obviously executing that vision, the city manager, but somebody knocks on Pierre's door. They want to talk to the boss. Who do they bring to the, to, to the door? So it really depends on whether they want to talk to a, a policy maker or whether they want to talk to the CEO who kind of runs the daily operations of the, the city. So the policy makers include the mayor and members of the city council who provide direction to the city manager. The city manager uh, is oversees the daily operations, including the supervision of all those employees. Of course, uh, he at this time uh, has a cabinet uh, level of, you know, uh, high level administrators who have a, a large number of staff. So they're department heads, right? So, so but, but, yes, go ahead. Said, who do you think is the grand visionary? The Everybody <laughs> follow me. Is, is it the council as a whole or is it the mayor? No, you know, the, the mayor has to work in concert with the council. And I do believe, you know, that's one thing that I want to do as mayor is to build a more cohesive team, a team that communicates more effectively with one another. I want to build those relationships. I think that there are silos on the, the current council. I would like to see those broken down. You know, I think that there are clicks to be quite honest with you. And, you know, I, I would like to see that change and I would like to build a highly productive uh, city council that works in coordination and in sync to better serve the city of Peoria, to help, you know, to build that comprehensive strategic plan, to help, to build that vision in conjunction with key stakeholders of the community so that we can begin to move Peoria forward. So the buck stops with who? And, and, and I know I keep asking the same question, but it, I, I've had the same question posed to me at the same time where they're like, whose fault is all this? And who's gonna take us in the future? The buck stops with who? Well, the, the, the mayor is the leader, the mayor okay. is the champion for the city. And that's what I want to be. I want to be the champion for the city of Peoria. Got it. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, in a previous interview about two weeks ago, uh, we interviewed uh, city manager Pat Yurick, and he said that he would like to stay on as city mayor. I mean, city manager. Um, right. Would you want to keep him on? Well, you know, I think that that's uh, a decision of his and of the city council. You know, I, I think that he's really uh, stepped up during this crisis that we've had with the pandemic and and very stressful uh, situation that we've been in. And he's really shown uh, leadership during this time. So, you know, I, I wouldn't dare say that I'm going to get elected and fire the city manager. Uh, city manager may, you know, make some 
choices at some time, you know, in his life that he wants to do something different. But, you know, he, he got evaluated. Uh, he actually received an increase, uh, like a bonus from the council. And um, I certainly did not object to that. I actually supported that. So, I mean, everybody has uh, their challenges. Everybody has, you know, I, I think that I, I'm critical, you know, sometimes I, I'm critical of the current city manager sometimes of, you know, focusing on cuts. I think that he's done what he has felt he has needed to do. I really do believe that. I, I think that he's done his best. And so, you know, when people do their best, you know, you can't really fight that. But I, I would like to say that I would like to see more focus on on income generation, a revenue generation than than uh, the move for property tax increases and cuts to employees. So is that yes, you keep them on or no, you would not? No, like no, no, the <laughs> the direction I, I would like to to lead the direction to focus on less cuts, less property taxes, less fees, additional fees, but let's figure out some ways that we can generate revenue. Let's spend that. That's the direction that that I want to give to the city manager as the mayor with the support of, of my colleagues on the council. So you're saying he has a chance. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> um, wait, I think we need to move over to audience questions. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can move over to audience real quick. Um, audience questions are brought to you by RondaGuidenTravel.com. RondaGuidenTravel.com. Only they give you domestic and international travel with a personal touch. Leave all the planning to RGT. That's RondaGuidenTravel.com. And I've done a trip with them myself, so it ain't too bad at all. Ain't too shabby at all. Um, first question is, um, uh, this one comes from Chase. He says, what can older politicians in their 50s and 60s do to help the younger groups in Peoria? Mentoring. Um, you know, I'm a big, can you hear me still? Mm -hmm. yeah, like so, you're good. yeah. All right. So I'm a big advocate for mentoring. I have been invested in by my mentors. I say I'm a made woman made by my mentors because there are many different people, uh, different women and men of different races and ethnicities that have invested in me, who have sponsored me, who have taught me, who have put their wisdom within me. So, you know, I have attempted to do that with other young people within the community. There's a lot of young people who I call my my children. I did not birth them, uh, but I've, I've worked with them, you know, because they were students or they were friends of my kids or my grandkids. Uh, so, you know, I my dissertation was on mentoring and uh, it's because I, I know it works. It, it works when, you know, a more um, older, more mature, I should say, individual spends their time um, investing in a more younger individual so that they can teach them those lessons learned and help to bring them along. You know, the same thing that we do, you know, for our children, we can do for other people's children. Okay, James says, there's not enough help for black businesses in Peoria. What's the plan? So I agree. And there's, you know, there's um, 
organizations that actually focus on that. There's the Black Business Alliance. There's the Peoria Black Chamber. There's more interests and activities and programs that are taking place at the new distillery labs within the the Bradley's Small Business Center. You know that focus now on minority businesses and developing minority businesses and minority business owners. Uh, at ICC, we're actually developing an, an entrepreneurial program. So I think, you know, I was a small business owner. I was a black business owner um, after I left uh, Bradley University as their first director of multicultural student services. I, I started my own business. I went through a program called self-employment training at Illinois Central College, a 16-week class that helped me to get a, a business plan together. And that that program had a what was called a collateral CD for $10,000 to the graduates. And I applied for that CD. I, I got um, awarded that. It was using CDBG funds. This was a number of years ago. And so it helped me to have collateral when I applied for a $40,000 business loan at Southside Bank. That was my collateral. And I, you know, I got that loan. I paid it off in about, I think it was a five-year loan that I paid off in about three and a half, four years max. But it really helped to give me that, that boost, that starting collateral that I did not have. And so I, I agree. I think there's opportunities out there for funding, for support, and we have to invest and provide new opportunities for, for new entrepreneurs, regardless of any, any color, but, but certainly uh, help to increase the number of minority-owned and women-owned businesses that we have in the city of Peoria. Thank you. We got a couple more coming through. Uh, Chris, you want to grab those? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let, let me uh, let me first ask uh, from Alicia here, what can what can be brought to Peoria to actually generate additional revenue and make it more desirable? Yeah, you know, I would say definitely uh, new businesses. Uh, when we get new businesses here, it adds to our tax base. So if we get a business that pays taxes, because we have some business organizations, uh, some of our largest actually healthcare uh, industries that uh, are not required to pay taxes because they're not for profit status. But if we get more businesses here, attract them, they're going to pay taxes and that's going to help with our tax base. So growing population is critical. It's part of my platform that we have to grow population with the you know changes in the organizational structure at Caterpillar, we've seen a huge exodus of people leaving Peoria because they got laid off or they got transferred somewhere else. We have to attract people back. We have to grow our population. We have to do like Columbus and implement some new strategies. They're a smart city. I want Peoria to become a smart city like Columbus. It's working for them. It's connecting their um, transit systems, their healthcare systems, their business systems, uh, their protection systems. Uh, there are ways that we can um, generate revenue through new entrepreneurism, you know, supporting that. I, I strongly believe we have to grow and that Peoria can be a just a, a mecca for entrepreneurs, um, that we can flourish with new artists. Um, art is one of the areas that Peoria, I think, has is popular for, and we have a growing number of artists that are interested in, in either coming or, or staying and sitting up shop here. 
You must be looking in on the questions, too. We had one from Anshuman asking uh, what Peoria can do to support the arts and what you can do to support the arts. Okay. Now, I didn't, I, I'm not looking in the chat, so I did see that question. And, and thank you, Antron. I, I think that we have to embrace, continue to embrace the arts. You know, funding has been, oh, that's Ashman. Okay, funding has always been a challenge, and I applaud the arts community for taking on, you know, raising additional funding for to, you know, support the, the work that they do, uh, to get more external funding uh, for some of the projects that they have. You know, I, I just think that Peoria has to, when we promote our city, we should promote our arts community. We should promote our arts projects, our art museums, our statues that we have, you know, downtown in different places. But I, I think it's creating a greater awareness of our wonderful, flourishing arts community. I, I traveled to, to Cuba a few years ago. Uh, it was an educational kind of exploration trip. And they had just the greatest appreciation for arts. Uh, when a kid wanted to go to college, if they chose to go to college to be an artist, their parents were so proud of them. You know, you don't see that so much in the United States. Well, who is the best paid people in, in Cuba? They're the artists, right? So uh, art is very much appreciated. Uh, when we went to the uh, opera, uh, it was like going to a football game and it was rah, rah, rah. And it was just like the common people there, not the elite, you know, not the the professionals, just the common people loving the opera. Um, so, you know, I just think that we have to we have to build a greater awareness for our arts community and promote it, support, help them, collaborate with them to bring in external funding to support all the things that all the great things that they, they do for our community. Okay. And and one final one that, that I'm going to to ask uh, Robin Grantham wants to know how the city can support Peoria Public Schools. Oh my goodness, we have to support um, our school district and, and Peoria Public Schools, all of our, the Quest Public Schools, which is part really of Peoria Public Schools, I would say too. But we have to work more in partnership with the public schools. When a person wants to move to the city, they uh, if they have children, they're going to look at the schools and how the schools are doing and, and deciding where they want to live in the city of Peoria. So, you know, there's a saying, so goes the schools, so goes the city. And, you know, for a period of time when I lived out in Virginia, in the DC area, and I had my grandchildren with me, we looked at the report card. You know, we looked at the schools to decide where we were gonna live, you know, in, in a city. So. You know, we have to work more in partnership. We have to collaborate with the schools to bring in additional funding uh, to work uh, with our legislators also at the state level to make sure that we're getting our, our proper share of the pie. So I think that programs and, and working together in partnership with the city, uh, that's what the city needs to do in partnership with Peoria Public Schools. And, and you know, there's other schools within uh, the city, there's Dunlap schools that are also part of the city of Peoria, where uh, the citizens that live in um, the, the city of Peoria attend Dunlap schools. So we have a number of public schools in our area, and we have to support all of them. 
feeder schools for uh, the Bartonville district as well. That's true. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. sorry to miss that. That's absolutely right. We have limestone and a uh, number of elementary schools in Bartonville. Thank yeah. you. Oh, and sorry, just a. <laughs> no, I stand corrected. What, I, yes. Yeah, what, one of those things from looking at all those maps all those years. <laughs> Mark, I think you're going to take us into the lightning round now. Yeah, well, I, I got two more questions from audience because we, we didn't uh, we missed a couple of folks. So I want to get them in. And one came through via text and I, I'll, I'll let them have it. Uh, Sean wants to know, would you support a refer uh, referendum that changes our current form of government, doing away with the city manager and making the mayoral position full time and the shot caller in our city? No, no. You know, I, I prefer our our city manager form of government. I also prefer uh, having the five at large and five district uh, positions uh, versus 10 districts. I, I do believe that we can achieve diversity with that, that model. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I support that model, especially because I've been on the council for almost two years now. And I think it works best, you know, in terms of people um, not doing the horse trading you know, between council districts and, and having that global look at the whole city and not just supporting your own district. You know, I, I think that that balances, uh, it's a more balanced structure. Uh, and this question comes, uh, and again, it's not in the comments, but this comes from Sherry. Uh, she says, what are you trying to, no, I'm sorry, wrong question. The CSO problem is another financial burden. Illinois American Water offered to purchase that and get it to EPA standards. What's your thoughts on that? On the water company, us purchasing, the city purchasing the water company? I, I want to make sure I'm clear on the question. Um, the CSO problem is another financial burden. Illinois yes. American Water offered to purchase that and get it to EPA standards. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we've actually, we have an agreement in place, a signed agreement to get it in uh, compliance. It's going to take, you know, it's like a 20 year time period, but we have a, a plan. It's a good plan. We've worked several years with the EPA in terms of trying to get that uh, plan going, but we've finally gotten there and it's going to create new jobs for our community, new um, uh, projects that are going to make Peoria healthier and cleaner and get that junk out of our, our water system. So we do have a plan that that is the city's plan. Okay, and a couple more questions, then we're gonna jump into the lightning round. Uh, uh, the first of my questions is, uh, the city gave the Pure Civic Center the money that it requested. What, if you are mayor, what differences can black citizens seeking urban entertainment expect from the Civic Center in the future? Well, you know, the city, the city excuse me, Civic Center manager has, you know, he's gotten an earful from me. He'll, he will admit to that, that we need more diverse uh, performances and more diverse artists um, that we bring to the city of Peoria. He hears that all the time from me and uh, he's working on it. He's working on it, but, but let me say this, he's heard from me, has he heard from you? You know, voices matter. Uh, people have to weigh in if they don't feel represented. They don't feel that they're, you know, seeing what they want to see in terms of what's happening within our city. You have to step up and you, you can write, you can email, 
you can can voice your opinion. The Civic Center also has a board. And so you can contact the chairman or members of that board to communicate your concerns. So I always want to say, use your voice, use your voice to make change. And my last question before we get to the lightning round, um, everybody, whether you're president, governor, mayor, whatever, um, you got to get people to buy in in order to get your agenda across. Uh, how good do you think your relationship is with current city council uh, members and people vying for those city council positions in order to get your uh, agenda um, pushed through? Sure. You know, I, I can work with anyone. I've been doing that for most of my adult life. I can work with people that have, you know, number of differences, including a difference opinion, a different agenda. What my, my role is or my strategy is to find common ground. So, that's what I seek uh, is common ground, common ground with my colleagues. We're not going to all agree, uh, but we're not going to all disagree either. You know, there's sometimes when uh, people support one another. My goal is to try to improve these relationships, to let them know that my interest is not in advocating for me or, or my interest. My goal is to advocate for the interests of the citizens of Peoria and to engage them in developing a plan and a vision for this city. Lightning round, are you ready? I don't know, let's see. <laughs> you are, you are, trust me, you're ready, you're ready. Uh, this lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices PC and Holiday McCall located at 1225 North North Street where they focus on personal injury accidents, family law, and criminal defense. Call for a free consultation at 309-948-5908 to put their attorneys in your corner. Okay, so this is what this looks like. Uh, quick, uh, it's going to be rapid fire questions, so either or, or uh, quick answer. And okay. they're all fun, and I'm going to give you, we play with this time all the time. Sometimes we run out of time. Some people leave us like 10 seconds remaining. So I added four seconds, Chris. I added four seconds. We're going to do a minute 30 and see what we can get done. Are you ready? Rita, are you ready? No. <laughs> Let me get my volume. Rita, Marcus. Okay. We can get the buzz. Okay. Boom. Prince or Michael Jackson? Wow, Prince. <laughs> uh, Lion King or Aladdin? Lion King. Apple or Android? Apple. Apples or oranges? Apples. Old mall or new mall? Old mall. After 10 years, why well, we still call it the new mall? It's right down the street from me. I have no idea. <laughs> what app on your phone takes up most of your day? What, what? What application on your phone takes up most of the time of your day? Oh, gosh. I would say email. ICC East or ICC North? You can't do that to me. Both. <laughs> um, what food? What food do you love that everybody else hates? Uh, Brussels sprouts. Hills or sneakers? Sneakers. Favorite location in Peoria? Howard Street. That's where my mama lives. You say what? Howard Street. Where my Howard mama. Street. Yes. Fresh Prince or family members? Family matters. Fresh Fresh Prince. Favorite drink? <laughs> Water. Uh, favorite local restaurant? 
The fish house. Avanti's or Rumburgers? Avanti or what? Rumburgers. Avanti's or Rumburgers? Oh, Rumburgers. Did like this take salt or sugar? What was that last one? Do grits take salt or sugar? I don't eat them. Okay. And I got to get these last two questions in. Do I need a haircut? Yes. <laughs> and who do you endorse for city council? Mother and me. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Who do you endorse for city council? Rita Ali for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That concludes the lightning round. Brought to you by McCall Law Offices PC and Holiday McCall, located 1225 North North. Uh, they cover everything. Give them a call at 309-948-5908. Put their attorneys in the corner for you. And I think that brings us to the end for the, the interview today. Rita Ali, candidate for Peoria Mayor, thank you for being with us tonight. Everybody watching now, remember... Voting early is open through February 22nd, and then the election itself, the primary, is on February 23rd. Make sure you either vote early or vote in person on Election Day, but vote either way. Thank you for being also, with us, Rita. Thank you. Also, debates starting tomorrow through Thursday at Peoria Central High School. Um, so stay tuned for those. Those will, those will be broadcasting live via Facebook. And don't go away just yet because we have Sidrock Regal up next. I have to ask some more time. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, thank you for, for being with us tonight. Candidate for mayor, Sid Ruckregal. Uh, apologies, we're getting started just a little later with the, with you that I had, had promised we would be starting. But thank you for being with us tonight. Very happy to be here. Okay. Uh, um, I'll start it off real quick. Uh, we interviewed artists a couple weeks ago. Uh, you're the only mayoral candidate with an official endorsement by the current mayor, Jim Artis. Uh, he mentioned that he's giving you his uh, official endorsement. Um, what do you make of that? Did you already know? Uh, how do you feel? Well, you know, Mayor Artis and I have, have worked on things both around the horseshoe and outside the horseshoe. And I think uh, the mayor understands the position and what it's going to be take, taking to be able to start off right away because there cannot be a learning curve. We don't have the time to be able to do that with the crisis that's going on with COVID, with our budget crisis that we have, with several of the big issues that are coming in front of us. And I am, uh, I'm happy that the, the mayor, after looking at the full field, says that I'm the right guy to be able to, to, uh, to run this ball and continue the game as we need to do it. The mayor also, and I think he'd be the first one to tell you, is um, I have taken some challenging positions, some that he's agreed with, some that he hasn't agreed with, but I think that he sees the integrity and the work ethic that I put in, and he knows that I'm dedicated to be able to do this job. People are mad right now, and they want results. What new ones do you bring as mayor that uh, you wouldn't be able to bring as a city council person at large currently? You know, the positions are very different between city council member and mayor. And for mayor, you are one vote among 11, but you also have to be able to balance the conversations among all so that we can actually work effectively as a team. And the great thing about a city council is not everybody is coming from the same optics, the same background, or the same viewpoint. And so the mayor has a role and a responsibility to make for sure that all of those opinions are coming in together, that they're heard, and that they can actually form a, a vision for the city of Peoria. The mayor's role is very important in that way. 
And that's where my experience on leading boards, on being able to work with those members who maybe originally I didn't agree with, and being able to find common ground and to be able to find common vision to be able to provide public good has, I think, really shown through. I've got the experience to be able to pull the council together to be able to make the decisions, sometimes hard, that are going to be facing the city. Okay. Sid, I, I want to back up for just a moment uh, for, for those who maybe don't know you or aren't as familiar with you. You, you come to government and public service af after a career working, uh, working in, in your own business. Uh, tell us about why it is that, that you want to be involved in, in city government in the first place, let alone in a, a role where you stand to be the one everybody's pointing at saying it's, it's your fault when things don't go right. Well, I, I do come to, uh, to the council in a very different way, I think, than most. And it is true, I've got an, a very experienced background in business, uh, both in building businesses, in taking failed businesses and turning them around, and also in mentoring other people as they've grown their business as well. And I, I've worked in multiple states with multiple municipalities. I've seen what works, what doesn't, and actually why businesses wanna be able to, to locate or why they don't wanna locate here in Peoria. But I think also too, and I've often had people say that well, you're the business guy on the council. And I'd rather say, and I've always said this since day one, I'm the community guy who happens to be really good at business. Because even before I was on council, when I first moved here in 1992, my first work was within the community around the, the restaurants that we had. Uh, because I felt that that is the way that every business should be involved within their community. I've taken on challenges on major organizations here within our community when they have faced a mission challenge, financial challenge, development challenge. Uh, and I've, I've taken those and I've proven that I can successfully lead an organization to be able to provide a public good and a mission. So I, I bring those pieces to the council and I think it's a very unique way having that involvement, having that background prior to coming to council to make for sure that the community voice is also heard as well as the business voice. I am the experienced business person. Okay, then then tell me as the experienced business person, walk me through the specific steps that that you would take. You know, th things that you would change, whether it, it's a policy, whether whether it's it's an approach, whether it's our our branding, the specific things that you would do to attract more small business to the region. That, that is a great question. And first off the narrative we've got to do is really tell our full story. And I think over the past couple of years, we haven't been able to do that as successfully as, as we should. And that is very important because we have some great assets and the reasons why people want to call Peoria home. We also have to be able to listen to our businesses. When I went on council, I dedicated myself to meet with 40 businesses every year to hear why and why not they and their team members are actually part of our community. And I will continue to, to do that because I think that that's the important piece. There is no one policy. Government cannot create businesses all by themselves or with one policy. They need to listen what the individual businesses need. I've heard some that need capital investment in front of them. Some that say, just stay out of the way. Some that say, I need to help on being able to find the team members and the skills that I know are here that I need to be partnered with. And others say, I need a little help and a little incentive or I need to be able to be mentored and find the funding and the housing uh, for my business to be able to grow. But the one thing that we also need to do is make for sure that it's easy to do business in City Hall. And I often think back to an example that just happened recently. Uh, 
And that is, we had a business who is investing quite a few dollars in our warehouse district. And they came in front of the council to ask for one simple thing, for their logo on the front of the building to be a couple of inches bigger on the first and the last letter. And the variance in the ordinance is there because it is supposed to allow for city council to be able to be business friendly. I was a big proponent of being able to make this small suggestion for a business who's invested in our community, who actually at the beginning of COVID came and changed their business plan to be able to help make sure that our citizens were safe by being able to provide a product that we needed. And it was a simple thing that the council did not follow through on. We can't be business friendly. We can't say our city hall staff needs to be business friendly if the, if the will of the council doesn't show that we are here and open to talk to people. And I think by us being the example and by setting our staff that we need to listen to each and every proposal that comes forward, we can actually change and make for sure that businesses not only stay here, but they grow here. And so it's a one-on-one -on -one philosophy that we need to do, work with each and every business, which is really what I've done in my past. Okay, that, that sounds a little bit more about local business retention, though. I want to know what, what can we do to go out and, and attract more small businesses to locate here? And, and that is the next step. The first thing we have to do is make sure that we are not losing businesses to other places. But then we need to take a regional approach. For all, far too long, we've been sitting here fighting maybe to the other side of the river or what's in and outside of Peoria when really our asset is the region. And I think that we've got to provide a regional approach as we go after businesses to be able to locate here. Therefore, we can use the energies that we normally would use within that region to attract people and companies that are looking at other places within Illinois. People say that nobody is opening businesses in Illinois. That's not true. It may be a little bit more difficult than other places, maybe in the Midwest, but there are businesses growing here. We also need to look at what it takes to be able to attract them here as well and to be able to listen to them. I have actually worked on seeding companies and seeding businesses throughout the Midwest. I've talked to the developers who are deciding where these businesses go and having the mayor be able to speak a common language the business has can help be able to provide them and listen to exactly what they need. There are other pieces too that we need to make for sure that we're doing. We need a strong airport system. We need a strong transportation system because that helps link us to other communities. We need to make for sure that our people are a skilled workforce, that we have credentials and the ability to fill those positions as they come up. We need to make for sure that we have transportation equity so that when we place a business within our community, that people can actually get to those jobs to be able to fill them. So there's a lot of work and a lot of roles that the mayor needs to take responsibility to be able to make those things happen. Those things don't happen just a couple hours a day. That's, that's truly a 24-7 job because being, the role, being in that role of mayor, you don't just get to leave after a couple of hours. And it's a constant workforce. Sometimes you actually go, have to go and talk to the businesses to tell them why we are the best place for them to locate. I want to jump in here real quick uh, um, and stay where we were at. It's interesting because you said it's not true that businesses aren't opening in Illinois. And you're, you're actually right. Uh, Amazon has uh, made has built uh, several filming centers in Joliet, Romeoville, uh, Shanahan uh, for hundreds uh, and thousands of jobs. And also Facebook just recently uh, constructed or is in the middle of constructing an $800 million data center in DeKalb running on 100% renewable energy. So things obviously are happening in the state of Illinois. 
However, in a recent interview, Mayor Jim Artis says that Pure is having a tough time luring businesses because the state is not conducive enough for corporations to consider this area. Obviously, these two corporate giants have found Illinois to be favorable for whatever reason. So what do you think, if anything, is wrong with his approach? And what do you do different uh, from what Jim Artis is, is actually doing or, uh, or speaking about? Well, we, we know that there are some limitations to what we have to offer as a state. And having worked within multiple states in the Midwest and having been able to see um, the differences between those, it also allows me to be able to come in and talk to businesses about what we might have that might be a little bit different. And I think that is the approach that we need to take. We've got, we've got wonderful assets to be able to call Peoria home for your business to be able to grow. And we have to bring those things forward. Again, it's a common language of talking to businesses who have actually seeded um, in the areas here and, and tell them why it is. I, I have had those approaches on both national chains and, and companies to be able to work with those and help them decide where they want to be. And you've also got to do one more thing for them. Businesses, whether they are here and we want to retain them or whether they're going to locate, they need to know what the plan and the vision is for the future. And that is one thing that frankly, we need to work on ourselves as far as the council. Right now, it seems like every year, even though we have a biannual budget, we are sitting here debating on how we make it through for the next 12 months. We've got to have a game plan that the citizens and the businesses can understand. So when they come here, they know what it's going to be like, and they know what our strategy and vision is for 5, 10, and 15 years down the line. And for the small businesses that are growing here, we want to make sure that we retain them here so that they grow here. I think people forget that Caterpillar was not a Fortune 500 company when it started. Every big company started small. So with with that difference in uh, approach, do you think there's some uh, instances where the uh, gym artists or the council as a whole missed some opportunities that you feel like we should have picked up on? You know, I can tell you what my approach is going to be. And my approach is going to be dedicating my time to be able to make for sure that we have those conversations with businesses that are locating here. And that means talking about all of our assets, the city and the region, because businesses don't just look at the assets that a particular city has, they look at what the whole community can offer. And I think that those are an important conversation. That means we also have to partner with some of our other cities in the area and our, our other governmental agencies as well. And so that relationship is key. But also, too, I think having a common vision for the council is extremely important. Whenever we're looking at funding sources, maybe from out east, they're looking at our transportation hubs, they're looking at opportunity zones, they're looking at what we can offer and, and work together on. And I think that when they meet with the council, we need to have a common vision of where we want to go as a community. And so those are roles that the mayor can play uh, in on multiple layers of making sure that we can grow businesses right here in Peoria. I'll ask this last question. I'll throw it to Chris. Uh, you were on city council when Caterpillar decided to leave. What do you feel the council could have done to keep them here? And do you think we overinvested in the thought of Caterpillar for the future? Well, I was actually at a marketing conference the day that I heard that news announced. And I think that it was something that all Peorians will never forget where they were and what they thought when they heard it. Um, Caterpillar helped build the beautiful city of, of Peoria. And we, we want them to be here for a, very, for a very long time and be part of our future. I'll tell you what I did. I got in a car and drove to Omaha, Nebraska, 
because they had lost ConAgra very similar um, to, which was a very similar hub inside of their city. And I talked to their city leaders and the community leaders outside of their city to find out how they handled the process, how they were able to retain the talent that they were afraid was going to drain off into other areas, how they were able to focus and re-put the energy that the community was feeling from an angst into a common vision about where they would move forward. So I didn't sit, wait, looking for what somebody else was going to do. I immediately went out and went to find answers and solutions. I went over to Indiana to talk to similar to similar um, governmental officials who had been in that situation. And one of the things I came back and, and we did with a group of people right here is we provided an outlet to be able to make for sure that we talked about all of the companies that call Peoria their HQ. Because we felt that no matter large, small, no matter if it was your, your home, that you were doing for your family. There are a lot of HQs right here in our community that we want to talk about. There was a business that opened and expanded the same day that that announcement was made. And they probably should have been the front page of the paper because they were one which were growing in the area that had invested well. And it was a small business. Those are the things that we need to make sure that we keep our focus on. Caterpillar is still a strong employer in our area. We want Caterpillar to be here for a long time. And I think that as we move to the medical field, being a strong player, we need to also work with them to make for sure that as their side industries, the supply chains, the technology, the innovation that builds out of that, that we can make for sure that we have a city that they want to grow and to be able to prosper in. And we also need to make for sure that our other industries grow as well. I see the questions coming in. Uh, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in to the state of Peoria. Um, we appreciate it. Keep the questions coming. We're going to get to them momentarily, so keep them coming. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, and, and actually, uh, if, if Matt's listening in the, the backstage area, I'm going to go to one now that, that's kind of a big question, but it, it's one I want to get out there. It, it goes to, to you know, the vision thing, and, and that's one that Christine is asking. What is the big vision, and I'll alter, what's your big vision for the city. My big vision for the city is where everybody has the opportunity that they desire and can and that we can make that achievement happen. For some, it is owning your own business and being able to grow and innovate. For some, it is being able to make for sure that their families prosper. It is safe neighborhoods. I want to see Peoria be a place that we are proud to call home. We are proud to raise our families and that we are proud to see our families multi-generational be a part of. The vision of Peoria, I think, can be a very good example to the rest of the country because we are small enough to be able to make changes quickly, yet big enough to have an influence where other places can look at us to see how we have handled innovatively and among ourselves the opportunities that lie in front of us. And there are some challenges, but we have the skill set to be able to meet those challenges. Okay, that that calls for a follow-up, which is what what are you going to change to get us to that point from from where we are now, where where we we struggle with our annual budgets, we struggle with with dealing with systemic economic disinvestment in in large swaths of of the city. How are you going to address those things? You know, we need to we need to honestly 
have the conversation and make sure that we have a plan, a long-term vision and a plan, and put the investment back into what our priorities are. We've got priorities that are on the wall of City Hall, and they need to come off there and actually be put into the actions that we do. And the actions that we take as council need to come and say, how does this match up to where we need to move the needle? We know that we have income disparity. We know we have housing disparity. We know we have um, economic opportunity disparity within our community. And it didn't take a report on the national level to tell us that. At least for those that that I work with and, and that I know that have been involved in the community, we know that we've had these struggles. And each and each and every one of us has a role to play, the city especially. We need to be able to foster the conversation and actions that will help move and, and change those situations so that each and every person has has the same opportunity and and the ability to help define what they would like for their life. It's one of the reasons why outside the horseshoe, some of the the partnerships that I have been able to work on have been so important. For APSCO, Align Peoria, I want to make for sure that our young people have the biggest opportunity and they can help set their own course of action. It's why Peoria Promise has been so important for myself and why I'm so proud to have been involved with them on raising half a million dollars because it provides the ability for our young people to know as they are going through Peoria Public Schools or any of our schools within our city that they have the ability to get credentialed, to be able to get those first two years of college at ICC taken care of. And I think that those pieces help build the fabric as we move our our city forward. So so what's the plan if you're elected and you're at your first council meeting after after the 1st of May when you're inaugurated what what are the plans that that you're bringing forward to address these things? I I, I think there's a lot of people out there who are hungry for specifics on on what exactly it is you would do. You know, and and the first thing that we need to do is it needs to be a community plan of action. And it needs to be one where we have metrics on where we can see the actual needles move. Far too often, and, and we've seen um, when we've had some of these conversations, especially like if we go to the example of the gateway, we've got a full community that wants to become um, to the table to help talk about and help set the priorities about where we need to go. We need to make sure that those don't get lost and get pushed aside. But but they have gotten lost and they have gotten pushed aside. The National right. Resource Network study went absolutely nowhere after we spent hundreds of thousands of dollars bringing that group to town, and there was virtually no follow through on it. So so what are the plans to make it different than what's happened before? As as mayor, I will make for sure that plans move forward. It's what I've done in my past. It's what I've done with other organizations that I have led, and I I will tell you that they things will not be pushed aside. They will not wait six months before we, we see an action or that we, we hear back from them. It will be a constant communication and action plan that will come forward. We need to see movement because we can't wait and just hope that things change. We, we need to put investment back into the areas of town that have been disinvested in. We need to also not have that just directed from City Hall. We need to have the community involvement so we're placing those investments in the right places for the right activities to be able to have the full community come together to make those decisions. Okay. I, I want to throw one more at you and then I'm going to toss it back to, to Mark. Uh, 
you've you've opposed the pension fees and and some of the other city parcel fees that that have been proposed over the years and you know I want to focus specifically on pensions because those costs or or the the obligation to pay those costs since we've incurred them the obligation to pay those costs continues to rise astronomically to get to a, a state required level if you're not in favor of the the parcel fee for those what would you use to pay that because it, it has a huge effect on what else the city budget can be used for. I oppose the parcel fee because it was a three-year band-aid without solving the problem. And I think that we're seeing that come to fruition again because now we've, ded- we've gotten so used to those funds coming in. And when I'm talking to the citizens in Peoria, they're saying, what has changed? We need to address the pension crisis head on. We need to go to Springfield and we, we see action can be taken whenever, whenever Springfield decides that they want to move on, a, on an issue. And this is not just something that affects Peoria. And so we should be collectively working with other cities, other governmental groups within our area, and go to, go to Springfield and say, we need a rolling amortization. We need help on being able to solve this pension problem. We need answers. And this is something that in a lot of times people think, well, this separates the fire department, the police department from the citizens of Peoria. It doesn't because we are all in this together. And I think we all want the same thing. We want to make sure that we can pay on those promises for the services that we've done, and we want to be able to live up to those. Now, also, too, I think it comes down to an example. And as a leader, we need to be the example. And that's why when I was on council, I brought forward a plan that the city council members for a part-time job give up their pension and their health care because we weren't meeting the same requirements that we ask of the rest of our team as a leader, as the 11 people who sit and and give policy, who sit and give the example, we should not be afraid to lead the change. Therefore, we can speak as we go to Springfield and say, now we need your help. It is a, this is the biggest question that faces our city. Over the next 20 years, we're going to have three quarter of a billion dollars of pension fee, and we are going to have to figure out how to do it. And I got to got to follow up on that first to point out that 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 push did not get enough votes. And uh, unfortunately, it appears that the city has also now begun to take literally uh, the state law showing the pay that that people make. So we can no longer tell which council members are taking, for instance, the city insurance or paying into the, the pension program. Uh, but uh, as far as a follow up, I, I do want to ask you. If the legislature within the last couple of years did pass limited municipal pension reform to allow combining the the police pensions statewide, to allow combining the fire pensions statewide, that, that came from an effort by cities and, and other governments throughout the state to achieve those reforms we didn't get everything that we wanted as cities and other governments at that point. What, what makes you think that there's any legislative appetite to do that now? Again, they, they tend not to take a second bite at an apple within a year or two after a new reform. You know, I, I think that this is a, a crisis that is facing a lot of municipalities and governments throughout Illinois. And collectively, if we demand that this be taken up, it needs to be taken up we elect the people that represent us in Springfield. 
And luckily for Peoria, we are represented on both sides of the aisle. And so I think we've got a pretty good team here locally that can work and help lead this charge, and we have to work with them to be able to do that. But we can't be silent about it. We can't wait until we come to the end of our budget cycle to be able to have this discussion. This is the biggest critical issue facing us. And that's why for myself, I've led by example to make for sure that at least we're having the conversation around around City Hall. Uh, again, stand up here. I appreciate you guys watching. Get those questions in the comments. We are going to get to them uh, here momentarily. I promise we will. And uh, this question uh, leads off from, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it was actually in the comments from uh, way earlier. Uh, but you're running for mayor to lead the Peoria City Council. Your partner, Andrew Rand, currently leads Peoria County as chairman of the Peoria County Board. And he's also CEO of Advanced Medical Transport here in Peoria, the largest downstate provider of ambulance services and critical care patient transportation in Illinois. What do you say to those that suggest that that is too much power to be concentrated in one household? Very interesting question, because I will address all matters with the city and the county as any fiduciary would. I will represent the city of Peoria. And from where I'm talking with many constituents, what they want is they want good government and good answers. You know, to have a successful county board, and if we look at what they've done over the past couple of years, they've been able to change from red into black. And I think that's a great example um, on the financials picture of, of what we can look at for Peoria. And we know that the relationship of multiple governmental agencies to be able to look at shared services is key. It's what our people are asking for. And I find this question kind of unique because I, I did not hear this question answered uh, when we've had this situation that's cropped up in the past. What I will guarantee is I will address every issue in respect for leading for the citizens of the city of Peoria. That will not change. But what do you say to those that say it's still too much power for between two people? I'm not understanding the question because people want good government. They want good leadership. And I am running to be able to be the right leader for Peoria. And we know if we look at even right now that the relationship the city has with the county, our citizens want that relationship to work very well for both entities. Because at the end of the day, we're looking for the best for our community as we move forward. There are no solutions that won't that won't be addressed by working with all governments in the in the areas that may mean we may look at at partnering or having discussions with uh, governments on the other side of the river or other entities within peoria county and all of those conversations should be fair game to be able to have we want good government Budget issues always seem to be a problem. Chris brought it up a couple of times. Uh, it takes six to seven million dollars a month to run the city. Uh, are there any programs or line items in the budget that you would uh, suggest that the city spends too much money on? You know, one of the things that I think we've seen over the number of years that we keep looking at the budget crisis is we keep finding different things to cut. And we've sh we have shaved off quite a few things that are important for the city. We need to actually do what we had decided to do in our strategic planning session, which was really start from a zero-based balance uh, budgeting. And that is, let's start to put dollars behind those things that can actually grow our revenues. Because if we keep focusing on cuts, then we will never be able to grow our revenues. We need to be taking this challenge in a very different uh, area. 
we need to look at what dollars do we need to invest so that we can grow our small businesses, so that we can grow our opportunities, so that we can make for sure that we have um, safe and quality housing for all of our citizens, so that we can put in the capital needs that we need to on our streets and repairs, so that we can make for sure that at the end we're seeing a result that is moving our whole community forward. All too often it's it, we're looking at last year's budget and deciding what to cut. The approach ought to be, which is what business does, where do we need to fund to be able to have the best return of investment for all of our people? What can the city do to reflect examples. Oh, my fault. Go ahead, Chris. Yes, Sid, I'm, I'm sorry. Give, give me two or three examples of what those areas are in your mind. Well, and, and I think one of the things that we've talked about already is how do we attract business? We need to make for sure that we have the ability to attract business to our city. And that those don't always come in just direct incentives. They don't come in government grants that we hope to have. Because at the end of the day, government grants will eventually go away and we've got to be self-sustaining with our own financial picture. But what it does mean is we need to be able to have we need to be able to have within City Hall the ability to be able to answer questions for businesses that are coming in. When we start to shorten our hours of the days that we're operational or having to furlough our teams like we're having to do now, you get a voicemail that's full or you get a busy signal because there's nobody to answer the phone. We've got to make for sure that we are open for business and that we can make the adjustments we need so that again, businesses can, we can retain businesses, businesses can grow that are here and that we can attract businesses as well. What can we do as a city and what can you do as a mayor to better reflect the youth as a priority within the budget? The youth is our future. And, you know, I uh, was lucky enough uh, two years ago to be able to walk every third grader through City Hall. And it was a very humbling experience. It was every third grader from Peoria Public Schools. And they looked at City Hall as a place that we can fix problems, that we have the answers. And I think that they're probably right. We just have to do the work. But what we also saw is that they were in tune with the challenges that we faced. It was amazing how many talked about the CSO, how many talked about our budget, how many talked about the need for a good art scene. I'm talking to third graders who really understood the challenges we face as a community. And I think that it also comes back to not only what we do within City Hall, which by the way, the best thing that we can do for our school systems is to make for sure that we can, over time, as our economics grow, actually increase um, what our property tax values go so that we can lift up our school system, not through a property tax increase, but actually because our value grows because we want to have people move here. But it also goes to what we do outside the city council. That's why programs like AFSCO and Align have been so important to me. That's why I've been recognized by the Peoria Public School Board for the work that I've done on those programs to make for sure that we're providing paid internship opportunities for those that may not normally have those so that we can make sure that our youth is a priority for our future. We want them to grow here. We want them to stay here. We want them to call Peoria home. Uh, 24-7 article, worst or one of the worst cities for blacks in America. Um, what did you think about when you heard that? I don't think that it should have taken, for some, an article to be able to know that we have our challenges. 
And when some people over a couple of years said, well, we're not number one anymore, we're, we're, or we shouldn't be number one, we should be number seven, number 10, it doesn't matter where we fall on that list. What it shows is the fact that we have a lot of work to do. Working in the communities, we know that. And that is where our time and our energies need to be dedicated to be able to make the change. The article put a spotlight on what many of us already knew. I want to ask you a question about, uh, you're one of the, I think, only candidates that can take on a question like this regarding uh, Pure Riverfront Museum. And to be quite honest, I didn't even write down a specific question for Pure Riverfront Museum, but it is one of those, um, one of those things in Peoria that it's, it's not so much like the Pierre Marquette, but I think it underwhelmed many Peorians versus what we thought we were going to get, uh, especially when it comes to the movie theater uh, that was supposed to play new movies. I remember it was a question on whether or not uh, the city should fund it. And some of it came in part uh, by citizens saying, yes, let's go ahead and do it because of the movie theater that we thought we were going to get. What is going on with the Pure Civic Center as uh, somebody that chaired the Riverfront Museum board? What's going on down there? Is, is it still, do you look at it still as a, a asset, a, a total asset for the community? Is there things that can be done better down there? What's going on down there? The Peoria Riverfront Museum, what was placed on the ballot by the county of Peoria, and it was the county that placed it on there to be able to provide a collaboration of entities that could actually come together to provide really for our future of our kids. Uh, the decision on the movie theater was actually done prior to me coming onto the board, but I'm fully aware of that decision. And when we look at the ability for us to have the biggest array, we went to a decision that actually allowed us to be able to be the most fluid that we could and actually provide a better service as we got into it. Let me talk a little bit about my, my leadership at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. And we are an economic driver. We've seen that, and we can track our ticket sales from the number of people that actually can come into our area, the number of people in our area that are also participating in the, the wide calendar of events. And they, they are very, very diverse, and I think it is something that really represents our city very well. But one of the things, too, that as we talked about that referendum, the community did, it really was, and if we remember right, it was at a time that finances weren't very good. We had come through the, the crisis of, of 08, and it probably was not a time when cities and counties were betting on their future. The reason that passed is because people were talking about what this would mean for our kids. So under my leadership, the Every Student Initiative, where we partnered with Peoria Public Schools, where every student from Peoria Public Schools came through from a curriculum-based experience so that we could take what they were learning in the classroom to the exhibits and the things that we were offering. You know, and that might be at the planetarium. It might be something that we were showing on the movie screen. It might be for an exhibit that was going on. And I think that actually when we look at the number of experiences that were provided to our community, the Peoria Riverfront Museum has has lived up to what we talked about for our community. It is not about the building, it's about the activities that are happening both inside and around, and we're seeing it as part of a very instrumental art scene. We're seeing it as part of the overall narrative for our community, and it has helped redefine. It is the only, only, only museum that exists like this in the country. Having talked with the Smithsonian, um, when I was leading the Riverfront Museum, 
they were using us as an example of where they wanted to go with their museum experiences. We were able to also bring down the Holocaust Memorial so that that can be built into the, the museum experience. The Jewish Federation was working with us to be able to find a home for that as well. And so I, I stand very proud on the fact that the Peoria Riverfront Museum has really moved to make for sure that what we talked about pre-referendum, we've lived up to, and we have had an impact on our community. You know, I talked about those third graders, and that was one of the things that came up because they talked about the experiences that they had the year before because they had not been there for their third grade um, experience yet, but they talked about the learning that they had. And having walked kids through there, I can say, we are having a difference. So with, with that said, uh, I mean, obviously it has uh, provided some um, opportunities for uh, school-aged kids. Do you think that the, um, do you think that the greater Peoria area might have misunderstood the intentions for the Riverfront Museum as far as what it is meant to serve um, in, in the area? Because, and I'm just saying that from personal experience, and I've been, I've been down there several times, but everyone I talked to, I think went one time ever, and it just seems like, I, I don't know if it's a promotional issue, I don't know if we're not bringing enough cool exhibits, but uh, grade school kids, perhaps. People in general in Peoria, not so much. Well, and and uh, I I am not on the board of Peoria Museum, but I will I will challenge you on the exhibits that we've done have been ones that have set record breaking. Uh, when we brought Titanic in, when we brought um, other exhibits in, and those exhibits um, may not be always for each and every person, but what they do is they help provide a dialogue. One of the things that we found with the Peoria Riverfront Museum, and and I when I was on the board, I read a lot of the the comments that were coming back. And they were extremely positive. It was something that we had a lot of people who that would be their Saturday. That would be their educational experience. We, we provide summer camps. And so I, I would, what I would do is I would welcome you to go with me and let's go down and uh, walk through and, and look at the experiences that are at the Bureau Museum. I'm always proud to be able to take somebody through. Let's go together. I mean, I've, I've went. It's cool. It, the facilities are neat. I ain't going to sit here and, and cap on that. It's just um, it, as far as it, um, I just get the feeling, and I think people have gotten the feeling, I've had conversations with other folks as well, have gotten the feeling that it never, it still has yet to really find its place amongst the pure community, adults, and, and, and things like that. Of course, like I, like I mentioned, uh, school-age uh, students are, are different. Um, but that, that's just a conversation that I had. I had to bring that up. Um, and last thing before I kick it over to Chris, in a previous interview uh, with Chris and I, Pat Urich said he would like to stay on as city manager. If you were mayor, you keep him. Yes, I would. And here's why. It is the city council that sets policy and direction for the manager who is in charge of the day-to-day -day operations. If we are looking at... Um, opportunities, we first need to look among ourselves at the council and be able to look ourselves in the mirror and make for sure that we are putting the, the right objectives, the right focus, the right policies in place that can help lead our city forward. Um, Mr. Yurick has a very long history in our area of working with multiple governments. And I think that we saw that into, very much into play whenever COVID hit. The work that he was doing behind the scenes that many ever saw early in the morning, being able to coordinate between 
governmental agencies, as well as not-for-profit, to make for sure that our community was protected. The, the information that he was coming back almost on a every other day um, and, or every couple of days for the financial impacts that we were having in the sort of live-through, um, very real time for the council to be able to make for sure that we could weather this storm was was really unheard of. And so I, I think that, you know, uh, and for the council, we need to make for sure that we are setting the right objectives and the priorities and the direction. All right, I'm gonna kick it to Chris. Uh, questions in the comments, keep them coming. We're gonna kick it off to the audience questions as soon as Chris uh, throws his in. I promise you we're gonna get to them. Yes, and, and just a heads up to everybody, we're down to about the last 20 minutes of this. We're trying to keep all of them approximately equal in length to be as fair as we can to all of the candidates. Uh, Sid, I'm going to go to some questions that, that I had raised in, in reading through some of your questionnaire answers that you had provided to us uh, that, that we ran on pjstar.com. Uh, late last week, still up there, and, and you can find them with all the mayoral profiles that we're going to have throughout the week. Uh, in your questionnaire, you said that one of the things that the city really needs to do is to promote affordable housing throughout the city, regardless of zip code. And I want to ask you, what proposals during your time on the council you've supported in that regard, and what other areas on the horizon you think of as, as options for the city in that regard, recognizing that the, the last major affordable housing development for seniors uh, that the city proposed or the city had in front of it at War Memorial in Sheridan about a decade ago was pretty well chased away by the city council. I, I think this is a conversation we need to have to be able to make for sure that we have affordable housing throughout the city. And because it, it allows for services, it allows for transportation needs, it allows for um, those basic, uh, whether it be your pharmacy, your grocery store, educational opportunities, that those things are available. And what we're seeing, if we really look at uh, our census information and our, our data information is, we are seeing that um, we have various income levels throughout the city. We need to make for sure that we have affordable quality housing that exists for all of our citizens. And that is a role of city government. That is a role of the policy that we have. Uh, we had policy sessions on affordable housing not too long ago. I think that we need to make for sure that we continue to have those policy section, sessions so that we set the direction and tone for our staff to be able to make for sure that this is a subject that doesn't get set aside. And and being able to set direction and tone is is one thing, but we we've, we've realistically had trouble attracting affordable housing proposals throughout the city. So what what do we need to be doing differently, and and what areas can you identify where where there's opportunity, not not just in in a, a district one or a district three or a district two, but even even in districts four and five for that. Well, and and it's a it's a conversation that is very broad. And it depends on what you can offer in various places. We have opportunity zones that, that we can do. There are tax credits that can be used in place. There are some rehabilitation dollars that, that can come into place. And so it really, it really comes for the city council to be inventive on how we can partner with those that can provide those services. And we also need to make for sure that where we're locating those, that we've got the transportation of the health care needs and the 
the basic needs of grocery stores and, and pharmacies and job opportunities and education, that those are available as well. There's not a one plan fits all, but we need to make for sure that we are looking for those opportunities throughout the city. Okay. And along with that, uh, you also said that uh, if elected, that you will make sure that the city enforces the housing code to help reverse declining property values. What ways aren't we doing that right now? And where do we get the resources to do more than what we're doing right now? Well, where do we get the resources? We, we put into our budget what are our priorities and, and where we want to be able to make for sure our focus is. That's where we get the resources from. And again, when we start from a zero-based budget, we find the money for the things that are most important for our community. And where we see that happening is we, we used to, if you look at our staffing levels on our um, community development team, that used to be a lot larger. They had a lot more time to be able to interact with the neighbors, to be able to make the, the relationships on if it was um, finding proper housing, finding being able to, to work with our landlords and our property owners on being able to find and um, solutions to be able to help correct situations or to be able to also check on our people and to make for sure that our citizens were safe. And over time, as we have cut staff, we have, we have broadened those areas in which they're responsible for, and thus we've taken a lot of that time in which they could actually interact and be able to make for sure that their impact was the most beneficial, we've, we've minimized that. And it's those short cuts of on the budget cycle that have long-term effect. And I think that we've seen that in a lot of our neighborhoods. That's why we, we have this conversation that we want to reinvest back into our neighborhoods to make them safe places that people are proud to call home. We've got a, we do have programs to the city and we want to make for sure, too, that those dollars, some of those are pass-through dollars that come to us from the federal side as well, that we have that communication with our residents so that they can take as much effect of those as they can. And that's where that one-on-one -on -one community development interaction really is helpful because our team, when they know the citizens they're serving and they know them by name, which is what we used to have whenever we were more adequately staffed, we had those results being able to happen. Okay. I have to ask, as we close and prepare to shift over to questions, you've mentioned zero-based budgeting several times during the course of the evening here. And obviously, you know, you're right that that requires putting the money into the priorities that we identify as the city. It also means taking away money from areas that, that we don't believe are priorities or don't believe are being efficiently used toward the goals that the city ought to be reaching for. To your mind, what are some of those areas where we are either spending too much for what we're getting or otherwise are, are not being efficient? What what areas would, would you bring closer to zero on that budgeting? Well, and, and I think that you asked the question about what areas do we need to be spending more in? I think if it is no secret that our road conditions, we we have a necessity to be able to return capital dollars back into projects that people are actually driving on. Um, we've got some of our main thoroughfares that probably aren't the best reflection of our city. And if we're talking about bringing businesses here or retaining businesses or the effect that they have on our citizens whenever they're riding over those roads, 
there is a disconnect. We need to make for sure also, too, that as we are partnering with our school systems, that we have safe routes for our kids to be able to get to schools. And that means making sure that we've got adequate money in the sidewalk programs and the lighting programs. And with our CSO and the agreement that we now have in place and the, the work that we're going to be doing over the next um, really almost two decades and the money that will be dedicated to those, it's time to bring those priorities into line so that we can help make sure that when we do a project, it can actually hit several of the capital needs that we need. It really comes down to making for sure that we don't just carry over a line item because it's been on the line item before. We need to make for sure that it's the right time to be able to make that investment. What's the long-term return on that? And are we spending those dollars on the capital needs that we need that we will get the longest term out of? Sometimes we, we find that we're just replacing capital projects because it just comes up in the cycle when actually maybe we could get a couple more years out of it and then dedicate those dollars to other areas. I think we've got to ask the hard questions because if we don't, we will not change the cycle we're in. It's what you do in business. It's what you do in nonprofit. It's what we do in our home. We look at where we need to pay for things that will have the biggest impact. And then you do those other pieces after those extra pieces. Right. And and I do really want to press you on, on getting a specific on some of those areas where we're spending, where where we shouldn't be doing that spending right now, where, where it would be more efficiently spent on, on some of those fundamental capital needs, whether it, it's sidewalks or, or something else. Where are we spending that we ought not be right now? You know, I think shared services could be able to provide a really good opportunity for us. And we talk about it and we have for many years. And how do we partner? I mean, it's usually with the county. How does the county and the city be able to partner on shared services? And recently we've seen some road projects that because we were able to collaborate together, came in at a lower cost. Um, and one of those examples is, is Will and Old. And, and being able to see there in Allen Road where, where that intersection came to be. And I think that that is where we need to not just look at what the city and the county can do, but what we can do on partnering with our other cities and municipalities in the area. We've got a lot of, a lot of layers of government. And I think that having that conversation, by having discussions with the park district, by having discussions with our school system, where can we find some shared savings for all of us? And those things will pay dividends. All right, I'm going to toss it back to Mark, and we're going to jump into some audience questions. Okay, uh, I said we get to them. So um, <clears throat> we're going to do the audience questions. Then uh, if you don't have anything else, Chris, uh, or if you do, we can get to that. Then we'll do the lightning round just uh, to keep time. Uh, audience questions are brought to you by RondaGuidantTravel.com. Only they give you domestic and international travel with a personal touch. Leave all the planning to RGT. That's Ronda Guyton Travel. Dot com. And our first question comes from uh, Robin, who says, during the last at-large race, you nearly beat out Andre Allen to secure the fifth seat. <clears throat> Excuse me, fifth seat. Why do you believe the time is right to run for Peoria's mayor? Well, you know, there, there were, um, we, we, when you look at the role of mayor, the mayor has a large job opportunity to be able to make for sure that all of the priorities in the city are being handled. 
I've got the experience to be able to be the job creator, to be able to be the problem solver as we as we work through our budget crisis. And I also am a uniter and I've got a proven track record on having boards that actually can work together. And to be able to bring those skills, that experience into the mayor's office, I think I'm the right person right now for, the, for this job that lies ahead of us. And I look forward to being the mayor of Peoria and making sure that the city's priorities move forward. The next question comes from Sherry, who says, most successful cities have a personality or what it's known for. What is that for Peoria? What separates it from any other city our size? You know, I really think it's our people because it is the people that made me stay in Peoria when I first moved here. And I think it's the people that define us. We see a larger giving spirit, um, whether that be through dollars, energies, um, actions in this city that I think that we can in any other city comparable to us. And when we actually decide to be able to solve a problem, we put our hearts and souls into making that happen. What, what makes us different is our people. And I think that that is something that we can set our future on. The other question, uh, this next one comes from Callie. She says, so how do you attract businesses? Answer your own question. How do we attract business? We work at it each and every day. And that means you've got to be able to talk to businesses in a language that they understand and be able to hear what they're saying. And for some, it's, it's making for sure that they understand what we have to offer, um, what our transportation is, what our vision is, what, what they get if they decide to be able to be part of the Peoria fabric. We've got to make for sure that financially our budget house is in order so that if they make the investment here, that they don't have to fear what's going to come in five and ten years because we've not handled our own city finances. But then also, too, we've got to be able to match up our skilled labor force with the, the needs that they have. And when we really look at, at the best way for an area to grow their business, do what we do best. And that means we are in the Midwest. There are some things that we can do better here and that are more about where Peoria is than any other place in the country. That's why the Ag Lab that is here is so critical, because they are tackling issues that can't be handled out in California. They're doing projects that can't be handled on the East Coast. They need to be handled here. Businesses are the same way. Let's build the businesses that are based on what we do best. And this last one comes from Christine Bear Kemper, and she says, what is the big vision for the city? What is your big vision for the city of Peoria? The big vision for the city is a place that all people have the economic opportunities to be able to prosper and are, are excited to call Peoria home. I want them to know that this is a place that they can prosper, grow their families, and that they will see those families want to stay here and to be able to grow as well. Peoria's got a bright future. We've got a lot of work to do, but I'm the experienced leader to be able to make that happen because when we come together, when our community sets its sights on being able to tackle an issue, and that doesn't mean we always have to agree because it's those various viewpoints that we can actually make the actual result better that we can actually achieve some things that other areas in this country can look at us and say, Peoria is the place I want to call home. 
Okay, I lied. I said one more. There is one more than came in. Chris, do you want to grab that one at the bottom? Absolutely. Let me let me go ahead and uh, ask this. Uh, it says, you know, and this is in regard to, to being able to speak speak business language. Uh, Angela asks, Peoria doesn't offer much to keep people from moving away. How will they have something to offer business? Well, I think that I've got to go back to my mentoring businesses even before I was on council because it's something that I did um, ever since I was a small business owner. And so for some, it's being able to make for sure that we have funding sources. For some, it's making sure that we have the communication on being able to where they can find assets and skills. For some, it's being able to make for sure that we can introduce them so that small businesses can can meet with medium-sized or large businesses so that we can have that relationship grow and foster so small businesses have an outlet for their skills or their services. There's, there's multiple roles that a mayor can be able to have and to lead in this way. The other thing, too, is we've got to talk with our businesses to find out why they're here and let them know that we will hear them as they decide to grow. The worst thing we can do is have a small business grow here and then decide that they're going to go move to someplace else and we've never picked up the phone to find out why. That's why I've done that over the past six years is I've talked to business owners. I've talked to the people working in those businesses to find out what keeps them here as residents, what keeps them here as businesses, and why, if anything, they would want to leave. And those pieces, there's not a one, there's not a one-stop answer. What it means is we have to tackle this individually to make for sure that all businesses prosper. Okay. And with that, we are going to move on over to the lightning round. My favorite part, man. It really is my favorite part. So first of all, Chris, I got a confession. I didn't charge my phone, so my phone died. So look, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> I, 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 I will put a minute 30 on my timer. Minute 30. And then I don't know if you got a buzzer, but if you ain't got nothing else, man, just hit me with a ding, ding, ding real quick. So wait, does that mean I get to ask the questions to you in the lightning round? <laughs> no, 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 man, no. no. <laughs> I'm asking the questions. So what we're going to do is uh, lightning round. Um, it's rapid fire questions, either or, or just answer the question real quick, head on. Right. Okay. Uh, and of course, this lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices, PC and Halliday McCall, located at 1225 North North Street, where they focus on personal injury, accidents, family law and criminal defense. Call for a consultation, a free one at that at 309-948-5908 to put their attorneys in your corner. All right. Uh, a minute 30. You ready? I'm ready. You ready, Chris? Yep. All right. Boom. All right, first question, Sid. Rallies or Papa John's? <laughs> wow, I love a good hamburger, so rallies. Omar or Newmall? Newmall. Uh, and I ask everybody this, after 10 years, why do we still call it the Newmall? Because we are creatures of habit. Jeep or Range Rover? Jeep. Uh, favorite meal of the day? Uh, lunch. Favorite musical artist? Wow, there's a lot. Uh, I would actually probably think that I'm going to go a little old school. Oh, man. That's a hard one. I have so many. You don't, just, see what's in, you don't want to see it's in my CD player because it's all over the board. Uh, Avani's or Rumburgers? I love them both. It'll be Avani's, but Rumburgers for the wings, you can't decide between the two. That's like... That's like two favorites. You run out of time, man. What phone app takes out the most time of your day? 
my email. Grits or su- grits take salt or sugar? Salt if there's no cheese. Favorite location in Peoria? Uh, would be, I think, our Peoria Parks. Blue Moon or Budweiser? Budweiser. Favorite local restaurant? One World. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Jordan or LeBron? Jordan. Apple or Android? Apple. New York or LA? New York. Favorite drink? Water. Avani, uh, no, sorry. Uh, you said time? Oh, man, he took up all. Oh, you're not going to give me the last question? Look, look you, you got to do these last two because I make everybody do these last two. Uh, okay. Well, this one I got to do Prince or Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. And who do you endorse for city council? You know what? We've got a great field running across the board, and I think that the citizens are going to elect a wonderful team. There you have it. Uh, I want to thank everybody for watching uh, State of Peoria. Don't forget the debates uh, between Strictly a Pop and the Alphas of Peoria uh, are this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We're doing it in person, covering uh, cover restrictions, of course, and it's going to be at the historic Peoria Central High School Auditorium. I can't wait to see you all there. Chris, take us out. And we will, we will of course, be back next week, back to our regular time on Wednesday uh, with two more mayoral candidates that, that we have joining us then. We have uh, Andres Diaz and Shama St. Louis joining us next week. We want to thank Sid Ruckriegel, candidate for mayor, for joining us tonight.